0: Just go to cars.com. It's magical. Well, hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode one eighty nine of the SCO show, proudly apart of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Thursday, April 15th, 2021. It's not tax day, at least in most jurisdictions. I know here in the state of Maryland, we've pushed it off until May, but if you need to get those taxes done, stop listening to this, go make sure the taxes are done, and then you can come back. What we're going to do today, my guys. That's what we're going to talk about today. I've done all the sort of scouting reports that I need to. I've watched a bunch of players in the hundreds. I'm tired. But what I want to do is I want to talk about my guys on both sides of the ball at a couple of different positions, not every position. Um, But these are the guys that you hear that phrase, guys you would ban the table for, you know, guys you would go to bat for, whatever. These are guys that are various positions in the draft. Some of them as early as, say, you know, three overall and we'll understand why i'm gonna talk about that player in a second guys that i loved watching would go to bat for think they're going to be fantastic prospects and great nfl players guys that i'm excited to see where they end up so that's what we're going to do today we're going to start on the defensive side of the ball but before we do that your usual cavalcade of reminders first up follow along on the stake Map. At Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work. USA Today's Touchdown Wire. Matt Waldwin's rookie scouting portfolio. By the time you listen to this, Matt and I might have sat down together to watch Zach Wilson. We're going to be doing that uh, a little bit later today on Thursday. So you can check that out. We're going to dive into Zach Wilson. We're going to be doing Mac Jones early next week. We were going to do it on Friday, but your boy's getting his first shot uh, Friday early afternoon. And... I don't know how I'm going to be feeling after it. So pushing some things off till next week, including watching Mac Jones with Matt, but we'll be doing that early next week. Um, obviously SB Nation, Big Blue View, Bleeding Renation, Nation, Pat's Pulpit right here at the Scot Show. You know all the places to find me. Let's get into it with my guys. We're going to start up front on the edge and two players, one of whom did make my top 11 at the edge position, one of whom who did not, but just sort of missed out. The guy that missed out Cameron Sample from Tulane, John Ledyard had him in, I think, his top 10 at the edge position, and I get it. I loved what Sample did down at the Senior Bowl. He was one of those guys that we talked a lot about um, based on his Senior Bowl tape. The hand usage, the athleticism really sort of stood out when he was down at Mobile. And he's got some really good tape, too. Now, the testing wasn't great. That's one of the reasons that I sort of kept him out of the top 11. Relative athletic score of 6.96. You know, he had some good explosive testing. Again, all this stuff is from at Bomb on Twitter, Kent Lee Platt. Good vertical, 37 inches. The shuttle, the three-cone, were not good. 4.51 shuttle, 7.43 cone. The speed stuff was just kind of average, too. So the tested wasn't great. But I think if you get into, say, th- the picket 96 for New England... Early on day, four, on day three, day four, good God, no, no day fours. But early in day three, say in round four, I'd be okay with it. The other edge that I really sort of like, Peyton Turner. And this is one of those players that I came to really late in the process, but really wish that I had watched him early. And he's done extremely well throughout this process. An RAS relative athletic score of seven point, of 9.74. That's like elite testing, but it matches up with what you see on film. The athleticism, the size, the length, the explosiveness. One of those guys that, again, I wish I had come to earlier in this process, but you watch him against Oklahoma State. You You watch him against, it's on Oklahoma State. I, I'm thinking of Xavier Collins. You watch him against BYU explosive, chasing down Zach Wilson. You watch him against Navy, dealing with all that flexbone option stuff, cut blocks, using his hands to get off of those. I've been very, very impressed with what I've watched of him. And I think, I don't know if he'll even be there at 96, but I think he would be have to be in play at 96. So Peyton Turner, the Houston pass rusher, another one of my guys in this draft. And again, these aren't guys that like I... Watched first but I didn't discover these guys but these are guys that throughout the process I've sort of fallen for at the linebacker spot it's an interesting linebacker class and you know about the guys at the top but a guy in the sort of mid-range of these linebackers is Jabril Cox from LSU and I hate comparisons. I loathe comparisons. You know, Corey Littleton was kind of the one, and Devondre Campbell is another that I've seen. In terms of scheme and usage, Derek Brooks. And I know anytime you throw around a Hall of Famer for a prospect, it's absurd, and I hate it, and it pains me to even do it. But just in, in terms of scheme and usage, Derek Brooks, I think when Monty Kiffin and Tony Dungy sat down and came up with a Tampa 2 defense, Jabril Cox was the kind of linebacker they had in mind. That athletic guy that can almost be a safety, that can drop deep to that middle hole, be that middle-of-the-field runner, that can flip his hips and turn on a dime to cover routes in front of him. You watch his pick six, you think, this is a corner. This is a cornerback playing linebacker. That's how well he moves. At 46, I'm 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 fine drafting Jabril Cox at 46. He might not be there. There are some teams that might consider him in the first round, even at the end of the first round, because of his coverage skills. So he's a player that I've certainly started studying, really watched him more. I've gone back a couple of times and watched him just because I enjoy watching his film. Moves so well. Big fan of his. Is he your, like, between the tackles thumper? No, but is that a need in today's NFL? Not really. A coverage linebacker is a need, and he fits that. I'm a huge fan of his game. At the cornerback spot, to close out the defensive side of the ball, I've got two guys. First is a guy that could go extremely early, and I've actually done some mocks, some different exercises. The locked-on NFL draft with Trevor Sikkim and Benjamin Solak, he was my pick at 15. That's J.C. Horn. And I know that there's been some discussion in recent days. Maybe he's not even a first-round pick. That's what some people are saying. Not for me. He's a first-round lock in my mind and an early one at that. I don't think you look at a guy that covers Kyle Pitts one week, Elijah Moore the next, and think, I can't use that on my team. Yes, you can. This is a matchup game. This is a matchup sport. This is a matchup league. I say all the time, I put myself or I try to put myself in the minds of offensive coordinators, right? How are we going to generate matchups? And then I try to do that on the defensive side. How are we going to combat those? J.C. Horn is how you combat them. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. Team plays that Kyle Pitts quote-unquote 12 personnel package with Kyle Pitts as one of the two tight ends. And you don't know what to do as a defense, right? Do you treat that as 11? Do you treat it as 12? If you treat it as 12 and go base, they're going to spread you out. Well, you could go big nickel against that, but you've got J.C. Horn. We've got J.C. Horn who can cover Kyle Pitts. Like That's the kind of things that he will allow you to do. And I've said time and time again, I've done it in mocks. I've talked about it on shows. I know they have other needs. I know they want to protect Justin Herbert. But I look at Brandon Staley. I look at his defense last year. One of the biggest things he had to work with. Yes, Aaron Donald was certainly one. The guy destroys worlds. But a matchup eraser type of corner in Jalen Ramsey that you could put on one guy, you can put on tight ends, you could put all over the field. One week he's covering George Kittle, the next he's covering DeAndre Hopkins, the next he's covering Kendrick Bourne. That reminds me a lot of JC Horn. And so I look at Brandon Staley sitting there at 13, and he's thinking, if I need to get that kind of corner for this defense, I want to build that defense again now across town with the Chargers. There you go. So that's one of my guys at corner. Of the other, Elijah Molden from Washington. I love this kid. I love this kid. And I had an interesting comp for him. A lot of people said PFF's draft guy, Mike Redder, said Jimmy Ward. And yeah, if that's a comp that works for you, I get it. It works. But the comp that works for me is a name nobody has ever heard of. Mark McAleenan. Mark McAleenan, when I got to Wesleyan University in the 90s, My freshman year, he was a junior safety for us. And the guy played all over the field with his hair on absolute fire. Five foot nothing, hundred and nothing. You know, uh, undersized safety by NESCAC standards. Playing like a linebacker at a Big Ten school. Just a ferocious football player. I think... That junior year of his, he had 97 tackles. He was first team all NESCAC, which is at that time at Wesleyan, man, you were first team all NESCAC. You were legit because we were three and five. But a tremendously ferocious football player that made plays sideline to sideline, downhill and deep. And that was was the feeling I got watching Elijah Molden was I was watching Mac again. And I remember a great moment after – you know, we beat Middlebury or something like that in our season opener. We're in film session and our coach, what our coach is, G Medeiros, is like seeing Mac like spear himself into a pile to help a run stop coming downhill from like a 10-yard cushion. He's like circling him with the red dot and the pointer like, look at the fire in this guy's eyes. Meanwhile, you're looking at him from the back, but that's who he reminds me of. And Mac, I know he got like an arena league tryout and stuff. Um, again, kind of unheard of for Wesleyan University in the 90s, or just a, a tremendous football player. What I was going to say was that junior year, he had 97 tackles, which sounds like a lot. We played eight games. Do the math. For safety. So this kid was legit. That's what he reminds me of, um, Elijah Molden, one of my guys on the defensive side of the ball. Up next, we're going to flip the script, talk offensive guys, and we're going to close out with a big one. That's ahead. Here at episode 188, excuse me, 189 of this go show. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting cut. What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or there Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnacket.sbnation.com Mark Schofield back with you here in episode 189 of the Sco Show and we're going to talk some of quote-unquote my guys on the offensive side of the ball really focusing on receiver, tight end, and quarterback. Um, let's start with the receiver. I've talked about I'm on Ross St. Brown a ton. I'll talk about him briefly here again. He, he rem- I know. I just talked about how comps are annoying and dumb. And I, I've comped one linebacker to a Hall of Fame safety and another cornerback to a Division three star. Um, They're all over the place. I get it. You've heard a lot of comps. Julian Edelman 2.0. That's what I see when I see him on Ross St. Brown. Um, Maybe I'm wildly off base here, but I see a feisty competitively tough kid that wants to win and wants to rip your heart out while doing it. Now, in the, in recent days, we've all sort of seen a lot of discussion about Julian Edelman, and there's that moment where he's going up against a safety uh, or a corner from the Steelers. And after the play, the corner's like, I'm here, baby. I'm here. And Edelman's just like, if you have to tell me you are, you're not. And that's Edelman in a nutshell. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown is the same type of player. You watch him against Utah Driving corners out of bounds on blocks in the run game. Always looking for work after the play to help uh, either a receiver after a catch or a running back downfield. Absolutely, I love that about him. Love his hands. Love his confidence. He had that play, that ball go through his hands against UCLA. Went for a pick. Comes back. Two big catches, including the game winner in that one. So I'm a huge fan of his game. And I know some people look at him and they see maybe like a day three receiver. I'm much higher on him than that. Even at 46, I'd be okay with it. That's how highly I think of this kid. But another receiver that could be in play at 46 if he's there is DME Brown. And I don't know sort of conversely from the conversation about Amon Ross St. Brown's hands, DME Brown's hands are a bit of a point of contention. I, again, try to believe the drops are noisy more than anything else. And he could separate, he could beat press, and I love his effort and work rate, if that's a phrase applicable to the wide receiver position, because if the route's not there, he will work and work and work to get himself open, coming back to the line of scrimmage, across the field, whatever he needs to do to get himself open. I cherish that about him. And as I've said before, maybe it's the old washed up, never was quarterback in me that can appreciate a guy that's going to try to work that much. Um, but I'm a huge fan of his game. I'm a huge fan of his game. We go to tight ends, and Kyle Pitts is the easy one. Everybody says Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, and yeah, Kyle Pitts. Like, that's it. But when it comes to the later rounds, there are two guys that I've kind of got tight end crushes on, and I know the Patriots probably don't go tight end. Um, but these are two guys that I do like that are emblematic of this tight end group in the sense that they could be used at a better level, I think, at the next level. Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame, Tony John from Virginia, two guys that I've really started to like the more and more I watch them, the more and more I think about this tight end group. I think Tremble, he was used as like a fullback at Notre Dame, but he was open a lot in the passing game. and just never saw the football, or not nearly as much as he should have saw the football. And Paul Jean, he's still learning the position, but he can give you that inline guy. Both these guys are really good blockers, so they've got that piece to it. They can be tight end three immediately with tight end two upside early as rookies as they fill out the rest of their game. And both of these players, I'm excited to see where they end up because I think these are guys that you're going to hear about next year. They're going to make an impact next year as rookies. Both of these guys. Pulls you on down to the red zone, you know, six, seven, big frame, red zone kind of weapon. Two guys I'm very excited about. Now let's talk quarterbacks to close it out. And if I'm going to go sort of stand on a table for a guy in the later rounds, it's Davis Mills, although I, I've been a, saying a lot that this isn't the draft class to, like, look late and try to find a diamond in the rough. They're more even Davis Mills as much as i think yeah at 96 i'm okay with it at 46 i consider it it's still project developmental guy he's not somebody i'm looking at and thinking yeah absolutely he can start he's not a quarterback where i'm like if you miss on the top 5 move up a little bit in the second round to get him because you don't want him you don't want him lose out on the chance to draft him but i look at the ucla game the competitive toughness and all that and i think it's a box that is important, and he checks it. And so, yeah, um, 96, maybe at 46. I'd be much more comfortable with it 96, but I would understand it if they did it at 46. Davis Mills. And then Justin Fields. And, you know, I'll close with just the discourse around Justin Fields has driven me insane. I think he's so much better than, than people are giving him credit for. And he is like the proverbial, I will ban on the table for this guy. Period, full stop. I think the discourse around Justin Fields has gone in three waves. First, it was the slow, can't process, one-read quarterback, and we've talked about that at length. Then it was the he doesn't love the game, and we've talked about that at length. You don't need people to get into your DMs to send you texts telling you that Justin Fields loves the game of football. You just watch him play. You watch him chase down runs against Michigan State from behind to throw a block 60 yards downfield for his running back. You watch him take an absolute shot against Clemson, come back, throw a touchdown, come back after halftime and make sure that Trevor Lawrence doesn't pull off a comeback of his own. You see him before last season started when it looked like the Big Ten wasn't even going to play. You see him say, no, 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 let's play. Back when he was QB 1B with a bullet written in Sharpie, when he didn't need to play, didn't need to play another down, right? And he was the second player drafted. He says, no, 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 let's play. You see the videos with QB Collective and all the work he puts in. This is a kid that loves the game. And the idea that he doesn't, I don't need somebody telling me that Justin Fields likes the game of football. I see it with my own eyes. And so that was the sort of second wave. The third wave now is, all his mechanics are sloppy because he played baseball. Last I checked, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, and Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady had baseball backgrounds. Matter of fact, I remember right at the combine two years ago. Maybe that's the new thing we need to look at at quarterbacks: is who's got these baseball backgrounds? Why? Because all those guys, what do they do? They can adjust the arm slot and throw off platform. You think about turning double plays. You think about you know chasing down a gapper and getting back into the cutoff man. You think about throwing out a runner trying to steal second. Off platform throws. Your feet might not be set. You might be moving. You might be, you know, trying to evade somebody sliding into second hard to take you out and break up the double play. That's why those guys can then go out of the field on Sundays and make throws from different arm slots, from different throwing platforms with consistency and velocity and accuracy because they've learned to do it on the diamond. And so this idea that Justin Fields, his mechanics are off because he was a shortstop, Nah, I'm not buying that either. The discourse around Justin Fields has driven me insane. And I'm glad that it's almost over because I can't wait to see where he goes. I can't wait to see how his career takes off because I I truly believe it will. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm absolutely wrong on this. But I've been doing this a while and I got to say I don't think so. Not this kid. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he shouldn't be one of my guys. But right now, he is. And again, I remind you, if the Patriots somehow draft him, it is a buy the jersey moment. That will do it for today for episode 189. With respect to episode 190, Mock Draft Monday, um, all systems go as of right now. Unless this shot tomorrow like completely floors me and I'm completely out of it, um, we're going to be planning on a Mock Draft Monday episode because we all only got two of them left. We got this one and then the final one, which is the Mark of Integrity Day, um, where I want you to send me your marks of integrity as I give you mine. Um, but until then, friends, stay safe, check out your loved ones, wash your hands, and when you do, sin along and bless those Patriots' reigns down in Africa.